Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. Here tonight, by the way, it's Ian. It's Bonnie. And Arya. We're going to start out with some government corruption that has been revealed. I mean, we all know that agencies like the DEA and the FBI are, you know, corrupt to the core, but you don't get a whole lot of evidence about it except from time to time when somebody starts telling the truth. And in this case, uh, the story is coming from the Associated Press. And aren't they disincentivized from telling the truth? Like, they lose their jobs, they lose their promotions, they lose their pensions. This guy lost his job, and he's going to prison. Like a whistleblower? Well, only after the fact. He's only going to prison because he got caught for doing something, and and he's going to prison for 12 years. So he was corrupt, now he's going to prison, he's like, I'm going to tell the whole world about how corrupt all of you people are. Okay, I like it. I mean, if you're going to get hanged, you might as well, you know, make sure all of your criminals hang with you. Indeed. Well, now whether they're going after the rest of, you know, the DEA in its entirety seems unlikely. But that said, it's an interesting story nonetheless. The Drug Enforcement. Thank you. Yes. The Drug Enforcement Agency. Agency. One of the worst government bureaucracies known to man. They exist simply to destroy people's lives over their personal choices. Yes. To tell and, you what you can and can't put yeah. in your body. Yeah, I mean, the federal cops are just bad in general. We don't need them. There's no reason for them at all. But these are the worst of the worst as far as fed cops are concerned. And uh, the story's from the AP. Jose Irizarry accepts that he's known as the most corrupt agent in the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration's history. Admitting that he, quote, (laughs) became another man, unquote, in conspiring with Colombian cartels to build a lavish lifestyle of expensive sports cars, Tiffany jewels, and paramours around the world. Wow. What but is it, a paramour? It's, like, it's a like a lover. Okay. Uh, but as he used his final hours of freedom to tell his story to the Associated Press, Irizarry says he won't go down for this alone, accusing some long-trusted DEA colleagues of joining him in skimming millions of dollars from drug money laundering stings to fund a decade's worth of luxury overseas travel, and fine dining, top seats at sport, sporting events, and frat house-style debauchery. I don't really care what he spends it on. It's like the point that he made deals with these horrible people to you know, keep their monopoly on violence and drug selling going and, I don't know, and wherever he was. By the horrible people, you mean the, D- the other DEA agents? Well, them and also the cartels. The Team America, as they called themselves, chose cities for money laundering pickups, mostly for party purposes, or to coincide with Real Madrid soccer or Rafael Nadal tennis matches. That included stops along the way in VIP rooms of Caribbean strip joints, Amsterdam's red light district, and aboard a Colombian yacht that launched with plenty of booze and more than a dozen prostitutes. Does this have anything to do with those DEA agents who were stationed some on some island in Florida? And found a whole bunch. They were studying turtles and they found kilos and kilos of cocaine and needed to test it while they were there. Me and Ari covered that story last year and it was just ridiculous. Yeah, I, were the DEA <laughs> I don't think it turtles? was a DEA, oh. but it, I don't remember who it was. But it was some governmental agency that was hanging out on the mm-hmm. beach in North Carolina, I think, studying turtles. Mm-hmm. And they just so happened to find a large amount of cocaine. And it, it was a very weird story. Weird. It was just so clear that the DEA agents were doing something fishy. Yeah, someone was buying drugs and a lot of people were doing drugs and they were having parties out there on the, this beach while they were saying they were studying the mating Sounds habits of right. turtles or yeah. something. It, yeah. was, it was very obvious that it was all a ruse. And then magically, like a whole bunch of cocaine washed up on the shore. So they had to call over the DEA agents and they did tests on it. Mm, what are they the tested odds? it. So the 48-year-old Irizarry told the AP in a series of interviews before beginning his 12-year federal prison sentence, quote, We had free access to do whatever we wanted. We would generate money pickups in places we wanted to go. And once we got there, it was about drinking and girls. Unquote. Well, at least they weren't also doing the drugs, right? Oh, I bet you they were. So far, they haven't suggested that, though. And I would, I would be surprised if they weren't. Well, but... you don't get high on your own supply. Well, I mean, if you're a DEA agent, they have unlimited supply, right? 
<laughs> All this revelry was rooted, he said, in a crushing realization among DEA agents around the world that there's nothing they can do to make a dent in the drug war anyway. Now, that I didn't expect out of this story. I just figured it would be yet another story of corruption and money and, you know, booze or whatever. But he's actually just coming right out and admitting what he says they all know is true. Wow. They, Everyone knows yeah. it's true. This is a sham from top to bottom. There's no chance of winning the war on drugs. And even the the thugs that are out there carrying out this mission are completely aware of it. I, so. I'm not at all surprised by that. I'm surprised they would admit it. Yeah. But like, well, he's got nothing to lose at this point. True. He's going to prison. So, But we uh, know that they're never going to stop the war on drugs. Uh, no. I'm not even sure they're trying. Well, I mean, they're only we're only seeing a slowdown on the war on marijuana, which right for a long time was the bulk of the war on drugs. I mean, Isn't it, it is, slowed down because it's like legal in a lot of places? That's what I'm saying. That's, oh, okay. that's what I mean by slowdown. We're starting to see decrim and legalization and, and things like that. I think that the all the stuff he spent his money on is important to get the attention of people like this is what they're spending your money on. That's very important. I mean, he shouldn't be spending other people's money on that. Since well, he sounds know, like he was spending uh, drug dealers money on it. Like they were paying him off. Right. Mm, yeah. I mean, the government wasn't paying for him to be on yachts with 12 prostitutes. Hmm. That we know of, at least. Probably. But the main problem that I think that should be focused on is just that they're, they know they're not doing anything to help, and they're actually actively helping the violent, horrible people in pe- places like Colombia um, do their violent, horrible things. Well, the fact that the drug war exists helps those people do the things that they do because of it's because of prohibition is why those violent people have control over those industries in you know the legal marketplace, whether we're looking at alcohol sales or uh, you know aspirin or you know some other kind of drugs that are legal, you don't have territorial warfare going on. You don't have the you know the guy that runs Budweiser hiring snipers to go after his competitor. I mean, you, know, you like, used to have that during, during the prohibition, prohibition era right. when it was illegal and when right. the black market was supreme and you know, you had the FBI then and all sorts of federal agencies trying to put a stop to it and none of them were successful. The only thing that actually succeeded in putting a stop to that was the repealing of prohibition. When was the FBI founded? Were they around back then? I don't know. I, I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know if they've been around a hundred years. I some federal about that. equivalent of the FBI yeah. was doing it then. Certainly, some Department of Prohibition or whatever the hell they would have been called back then. Uh, so the man's name here, as we've been discussing, is uh, Irizari. His name is uh, Jose Irizari. He's going to prison for twelve years, and before he checks in for his sentence, he did an interview with the Associated Press. Now, some former colleagues, according to the AP are attacking what Irizarry's story is, claiming that it's a fictionalized attempt to reduce his sentence. It came in days of contrite, bitter, sometimes tearful interviews with the AP and his sister. How would it... I mean, how would it make his sentence less? That doesn't make sense. It wouldn't. I mean, it seems like he's making himself look worse, not better. Yeah, I don't think it would have any effect on on his sentence at all. No, he's already been sentenced. So, I mean... Well, other than that, like... The, the, whoever th- says that obviously doesn't understand how it works, but on top yeah. of that, it just doesn't seem like that even makes any sense if there was any possibility of it. They're just trying to downplay this, right? They're just, oh, no, 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 it's just a few bad apples. This yep. isn't a problem with the whole uh, industry. He's just trying to make think people think better of him or, you know, whatever. Hmm. Uh, so let's see here. They were, uh, it was much the same account that he gave the FBI in lengthy debriefings and sealed court papers obtained by the AP after he pleaded guilty in 2020 to 19 corruption counts, including money laundering and bank fraud. But after years of portraying Irizarry as a rogue agent who acted alone, the U.S. Justice Department investigators have in recent months begun closely following his confessional roadmap, questioning as many as two dozen current and former DEA agents and prosecutors accused by Irizarry of turning a blind eye to his flagrant abuses and sometimes joining in. The expanding investigation comes as the nation's premier narcotics law enforcement agency has been rattled by, get this, repeated misconduct scandals in its 4,600 agent ranks. So it is more than just a few bad apples, at least that even they have to admit. Why do they have almost 5,000 law enforcement agents? It's federal government bureaucracies, Arya. Their their interest is to expand. That's the whole DEA? Apparently, yeah. Because I would have honestly thought it'd be more than 5,000. 
Uh, I suspect, well, that's 100 per state. Yes, yeah, some of those are in other places yeah, but not they, all in D.C. I was going to say, yeah, but they go all over the world, right? I mean, some like do. these people were. Yeah, some do. I uh, guess 5,000 sounds about right. From those who took bribes from traffickers to another accused of leaking confidential information to law enforcement targets. But by far the biggest black eye is Agent Irizarry, whose wholesale betrayal of the badge is at the heart of an ongoing external review of the DEA's sprawling foreign operations in 69 countries. The fact that they're calling it the betrayal of the badge is, even in the media, is so bad because like they're admitting that it, coming out and telling the truth is betraying your... Uh, police to these people. I think, what, friends. I think what they meant was that he betrayed his badge by engaging in all of this corrupt activity. Oh, okay. That's but, what they mean. But, but yes, oh, okay. I see what you're, you're still not wrong. Yeah, I took it saying. wrong. Yeah, I even then, I it's absurd. He didn't betray his badge. The badge isn't, isn't a thing that can be betrayed. It's just a symbol that these people tack onto themselves to make them mm-hmm. feel like they're better than everyone else. It but also no. helps him. It helped him do these things. He followed the incentives is what he did. And he he's did. just saying he's not unusual he's letting people know that what he did wasn't unheard of in these uh, in this agency the once standout agent has accused some former colleagues in the dea's miami-based group four of lining their pockets and falsifying records to replenish a slush fund used for foreign jaunts over the better part of a decade until his resignation in 2018 he accused a u.s immigrations and customs enforcement agent of accepting a twenty thousand dollar bribe and recently the fbi office of inspector general and a federal prosecutor interviewed the man in prison about other federal employees and allegations he raised about misconduct in maritime interdictions. We're going to Major Payne in Michigan. We're talking about the corrupt DEA. And uh, Major, you had some thoughts. Go ahead. Well, you were. You also mentioned the FBI. And uh, yes, they, also known for being were, corrupt. Yeah. Well, they were birthed from the Pinkerton Agency. It's kind of interesting when you take it back historically. Because you. Take back what is the, the Pinkertons? State. My dad just told me about this like last year, and I was like. This is so weird. Weird part of American history I didn't know about until like last year. They, as I know, as I recall, uh-huh. they were a private security firm that would like secure Western Union trans, uh, you know, uh, cargo, basically going across yeah, the country. I'm, well, I'm fixing to tell you. Yeah, the bandits would would bang the trains, and the the railroad men had money, and mm-hmm. you know, so did uh, Wells Fargo and whatnot running stagecoaches, but they were transporting payroll. Mm-hmm. So they were uh, hot spots for the outlaws, right? So they hired these. They came up with the Pinkerton Agency and hired them, and they were the private cops for the rich. And uh, so they so, were basically an armored truck service before there were armored trucks. No, no, no. These guys were these guys were gunmen. Okay. Like they were just, they just kill you. I think that he was what he was saying is that the train situation was like why they the need that that arose for them to go out there. They like went out west with people who were out going out west on trains and stuff like that, and they were cops and they were like basically like the first FBI. And I just looked it up. The FBI was uh, in, invented, not invented, but came about in 1908. And I wouldn't recommend yeah. it, but I you, you you mentioned these guys would shoot to kill or whatever. I'm fairly certain if you attempt to rob an armored truck, you're going to die. Not 100% sure, but you'll probably die. It's just well, like... This was, this was during the time of the James Gang and the Daltons and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And these guys knew better than the crap in their own backyard. So they keep a safe zone about them. You know, like the, the Daltons hang, hung out in Coffeeville, along with the Jameses. None of those words made sense to me. Uh, I wish I knew more about it. I just know that they were really corrupt, not cops, unelected, you know, people. And, I'm fine uh, with private security services, though. But are you saying, uh, Major Payne, that the Pinkertons were also corrupt? Is that what you're saying? Well, I, I think anybody that ever has worked for the government has probably been corrupt, and anybody that's ever smelt too much power. Nothing corrupts absolutely like absolute power. That's we all true. Know that. That's true. According to Wikipedia, there was uh, in nineteen sorry eighteen ninety six they founded the National Bureau of Criminal Identification, which provided agencies across the country with information to identify known criminals. Then uh, there was the assassination of President McKinley in nineteen o one, which created a perception that the U.S. was under threat from anarchists. 
The Departments of Justice and Labor had been keeping records on anarchists for years, but Theodore Roosevelt, that president, wanted more power to monitor them. So what a, what a surprise. The FBI was created uh, it's in its earliest days to monitor anarchists, and they're still doing that. Wow. Uh, the Justice Department had been tasked with the regulation of interstate commerce since 1887, but it lacked the staff to do so. And then Roosevelt instructed uh, the attorney general to organize an autonomous investigative service that would report only to the attorney general. He reached out to other agencies, including the Secret Service, which did exist already at that time, uh, for personnel, investigators in particular. And then in 1908, they formed the Bureau of Investigation, uh, which would have its own staff of special agents. That was created again in 1908. Using Justice Department funds, their first task was visiting and making surveys of the houses of prostitution in preparation for enforcing the White Slave Traffic Act. And then following that... What the heck is that? I don't know. Never uh, heard of the White Slave Traffic Act. Then in 1932, the Bureau was renamed the United States Bureau of Investigation. The following year, the Bureau of Investigation was linked to the Bureau of Prohibition. And rechristened to the Division of Investigation. So we were a, right. There was a prohibition. There was a connection. Yeah. Force. And then uh, it became an independent service within the Department of Justice in 1935. In the same year, it was officially changed from the name of the, the Division of Investigation to the Federal Bureau of Investigation. So it wasn't official until 1935, but its beginnings were in the early part of the 20th century. I have a hard time imagining what else one of these DEA agents would be doing going to the Caribbean, if not to get a bunch of drug money and get on a yacht with a bunch of hookers. And Amsterdam, apparently, yeah, as like, well. Like, what else is he doing there? They Where can't enforce Amsterdam? the law there. He says, the indictment paints a picture of me, the corrupt agent that did this entire scheme, but it doesn't talk about the rest of the DEA. I wasn't the mastermind, he said. The federal judge in Tampa who sentenced Irizarry last year seemed to agree, saying other agents corrupted by the allure of easy money need to be investigated. This has to stop, Judge Charlene Honeywell told prosecutors. Sounds like <laughs> tough talk, yeah. Yeah, well, look, it's never going to stop because I think it was Major Payne who made this point. You know, as long as there's power... To be had, corrupt people will be attracted to those positions, and even those who aren't corrupt will become corrupted by the power. There have been scientific studies that have been done. We've talked about them on the air over the years on Free Talk Live that show scientifically proven human beings are corrupted by power. That's just a fact. Yep. And so as long as the DEA exists, as long as they have the ability to arrest people for having a plant— or a chemical, then they will always have power, and so therefore the agents will always be tending towards corruption. I mean, the people out there listening need to really put themselves, honestly, put themselves in this law enforcement officer's shoes where they're making maybe forty, fifty, maybe $100,000 a year at the most. And then they're interacting with this drug dealer who's like, hey, I'll slide you $50,000 and I'll put you on a yacht every other weekend for the next four years yeah. and have a dozen prostitutes waiting a dozen beautiful prostitutes there and all the booze you could want just look the other way as we're smuggling these things in right. you, and you already know that you can't stop that drug dealer anyway you can't stop those drugs it's going to continue happening so why not, why not take it yeah why not take the deal and enjoy the life the justice department declined to comment the dea spokesperson said the following jose irizarry is a criminal who violated his oath as a federal law enforcement officer and violated the trust of the american people over the past 16 months the dea has worked vigorously to further strengthen our discipline and hiring policies to ensure the integrity and effectiveness of our essential work well we can totally trust you to do that <laughs> and i don't want to be that person but like jose what was his last irizarry. name irizarry yeah if his name was like john smith he would not be going to prison right now Zumbaros remained a DEA agent even after he was arrested and briefly detained on allegations of sexual assault during a trip to Madrid in 2018. He resigned only after being stripped of his gun badge and security clearance for invoking his Fifth Amendment rights to stay silent in 2019 when the same federal prosecutor who charged Irizarry summoned him to testify before a federal grand jury in Tampa. So I mean, he was punished for not for talking? For not talking. Hmm. Yeah. And I would hate that for the average citizen, but when it's a cop, 
Yeah. I can't really feel bad about it. You know, I'm, I'm torn, right? He should have the right to remain silent without it being and any suggestion did. of guilt and without it leading it to punishment. Him his job. Yeah, it just lost him his job. It's not like it lost him, you know, like... It, I don't know it's if not they've like come they at, made him guilty. Because yeah, I don't of know it. if they've charged him. I'm like, not sure about right. that. In Olu's book that I'm reading, uh, Presumed Guilty, he mm-hmm. talks about somebody in 2020 in, or 2022 in Michigan who got pulled over and he was telling the cop, he's like, I have the right to remain silent. The cop said, no, you don't. And That's called back up and asked him, like, are you a lawyer or something? They covered wow. the dash cam. They broke his windshield. They dragged him out. He was in a coma. Oh, my God. They stripped him like... Oh my God, it's crazy. What happened to him? Uh, he he like blacked out and then he woke up in jail or whatever. And um, he the the police department investigated themselves and found that there was no wrongdoing. Uh, of course they did. And dash cams are great, but like once you get pulled over, the live stream button is so much more powerful because mm. they, can't they can't take, take it that away. down. Authorities are so focused on Zumbaros, they also subpoenaed his brother, a Florida wedding photographer who traveled and partied around the world with DEA agents and even granted the photographer immunity to induce his cooperation. So they tried to flip him on his own brother. But Michael Zumbaros also refused to testify, good for him, and has been jailed outside of Tampa since March for quote-unquote civil contempt. So this is where they subpoena you to a grand jury and you don't answer their questions, they put you in They put you in jail. I thought you were only in jail until the grand jury finished convening, though. That's as I understand it, too. So this is probably going on as as we speak. That's a uh, long grand long? jury. How Eight months they... at this point. Wow. I thought you could only be held in contempt for six months anyway. Uh, grand juries are impaneled, I believe, for 18 months, wow. if I recall correctly. So it's but ex- regardless of how long the grand jury is there, I thought you could only be in contempt for six months. Not with the grand jury. You're, you're just hmm. thinking of like a state court contempt uh and and it and contempt can be for longer than six months even in state court but the rule is as i understand it the judge can sentence you to any amount of time up to six months with no check on the hmm. ruling but if the judge sentences you to over six months then it can be appealed to a panel of judges which are all his buddies anyway so i'm yeah. sure they're going to back him one of the more alarming things that i remember coming out of the january the six nonsense was donald trump allegedly Telling his Secret Service agent, you know, turn around and take me back to wherever it was he was trying to go. And the Secret Service agent refused to hmm. do so. It's like, this is the president of the Say United no States the giving you a direct order. And you're like, no. And you're not fired for that? You yeah, can't be fired for that? It's- I mean, that's alarming for anything. If your Uber driver refuses to let you out of the car go where he's driving you, that's really terrifying. That's true. That's kidnapping. Wait, I've never heard. I've never heard that story. Like... I don't what? remember the specifics, mm. but I I just remember he was wanting to go back to the Capitol or back to the wherever things were happening. Mm-hmm. And his Secret Service driver was like, no, you can't do that. Because it's unsafe for the president or? It could I'm, be. Presumably. Could be. I also saw an article today, though, where it's, I don't remember the news outlet, but they specifically referred to some people as Biden's handlers after he admitted <laughs> to saying, I, I shouldn't have answered your question. I don't know why I answered that. And then his... <laughs> Handlers came on stage and ended the interview, and it's wow. like, wow, there's blatant at this it's right point. right there, yeah, in your face. Wow, the people who hand him cards that say, you take your seat. Oh, yeah, where he gets instructions on what to do while Next on line, stage. repeat the quote. <laughs> <laughs> that stuff, too. Uh, so, anyway, we've been talking about this DEA agent, uh, Jose... I get his last name again. Irizarry. Jose Irizarry. He's going to prison for 12 years, and he is talking on the way into the prison cell. Uh, he's telling, giving the AP all kinds of interviews about some of the corruption that was going on, making allegations that this stuff was going through, going on throughout the DEA, that all the DEA agents know that there's no point to the war on drugs. They know they can never win the war on drugs. And it's just really interesting, like, revelations. For, I think for some people it's going to be a revelation. For us, we know it's we we already know they know this, right? Like I mean, It's kind of bittersweet. He's probably a dead man, isn't he? Yeah, that's uh, what I was just thinking. Like, if he ever gets out, the other cops are going to... I don't... I, I suspect he'll die in prison. I mean, he's being sent to a federal prison where federal people are going to oversee him, and he's snitching on federal employees. He could be in maximum security, you know? Like, I mean, are you suggesting is, he's going to end up like Epstein? I mean, maximum security is tantamount to torture in and of itself. I'd rather be dead. Mm-hmm. 
I don't but know. Yes, I, don't I, know. I, I would suspect he'd end up like Epstein, if not beaten to death by some inmate. Could be. Now, now whether the inmate is hired to kill him right. or not is really the uh, the question. So All they have to do to hire someone to kill someone is like hand them something and be like, go kill that guy if they know it's a crazy guy. It's not like they have to like, you know. But even if they did, online. I mean, as I understand it, it's relatively cheap for them to get inmates to kill one another if, they, if that's what they want. Yeah, what do they have to live for if they... Well, yeah, it depends on if the person is there for life, right? Like, so if the, if the person is there for life, then they literally have nothing to lose in that case. It's like, hey, we'll transfer to, to you. We'll transfer you to a lower security block or whatever. Or, or we'll, we'll just give you, a, give you some drugs or a cell phone. I don't know. So attorney Raymond Mansolillo says, quote, everybody they connect to Jose is extraneous to his thefts. They're looking to find a crime to fit this case as opposed to a crime that actually took place. But no matter what happens, they're going to charge somebody with something because they don't want to come out of all this after five years and have only charged Jose, unquote, making Irizarry's allegations more egregious as they came on the heels of a 2015 inspector general report that slammed DEA agents for participating in sex parties with prostitutes hired by Colombian cartels. How did it come on the heels of something from 2015? Um, I'm not. I'm sorry. What was? What's the question? How did it come on the heels of something from 2015? That's it's seven years now, old. Now, um, so like it came after 2015. I'm not sure what. Oh, but when is. I don't know, it doesn't come on the heels. I mean, it happened just after a 2015 report. But when that well, this ha- has been not- going on for five years. They said so. The investigation of Jose uh, Irizarry or whatever his name is. Uh, so again, alleged sex parties with prostitutes hired by the cartels that prompted the suspension of several agents and the retirement of the DEA administrator Michelle Leonhardt at the time. Central, Probably a good time to retire. Central to the Irizarry investigation are overly cozy relationships developed between agents and informants, strictly forbidden under federal guidelines, and loose controls on the DEA's undercover drug money laundering operations that few Americans know exist. Every year, the DEA launders tens of millions of dollars on behalf of the world's most violent drug cartels through shell companies, a tactic touted in long-running overseas investigations such as Operation Whitewash that resulted in more than 100 arrests and the seizure of more than $100 million and a ton of cocaine. By the way, a ton of cocaine isn't a lot of cocaine, right? I assume they were being metaphorical and they meant a, a lot uh, of cocaine. That's yeah, my thought, too. A, a ton, 2,000 pounds it's of cocaine 2000, is not yeah. a whole lot, of, as you said. But the DEA has also faced criticism for allowing huge amounts of money in the operations to go unseized, enabling cartels to continue plying their trade and for failing to tightly monitor and track the stings, making it difficult to evaluate results. And if there's not a lot of tight monitoring on hundreds of millions of dollars being laundered through the DEA, then that would mean that some of these agents could get their hands on some of it. I suspect they did. I don't know what they mean by this, but it says here the DEA launders every year tens of millions of dollars on behalf of drug cartels through shell companies. I presume that means they're assisting them temporarily before they arrest them for it. (laughs) That's that's what I was confused about when we read it last segment, but then like we immediately started talking about Something else, so I got confused. One would hope that's what they mean, but realistically, I think it's probably, I think that's probably what they think they mean, but realistically, I suspect a lot of this is just never going to go punished. It's just they're laundering money for these criminals, and that's going to be the end of it. Maybe one in every 50 will have charges brought against them. Right. Maybe that's just how much actually gets reported, and they launder way more than that. Well, Bonnie Clapper, who is a former federal prosecutor in New York. What a horrible name. And outspoken critic of DEA money laundering has this to say about it. Quote, in the vast majority of these operations, no one is watching. In the Irizarry operation, no one cared about how much money they were laundering. Nobody cared that they weren't making any cases. Nobody was minding the house. There were no controls, she said. Another former federal prosecutor. I mean, that's... I, I can't really be upset about that. Okay, so you got this drug enforcement agency, and none of them are enforcing the law. They're just, you know, doing cocaine and hookers on yachts. Okay, I've heard of more evil things governments have done. Well, no doubt, um, but they are still arresting some people sometimes. Yeah. 
Rob Fitel, another former federal prosecutor, said the DEA's lax oversight made it easy to divert funds for all kinds of unapproved purchases. And as long as money seizures kept driving the statistics higher, which was a low bar given abundant supply, few questions were asked. Quote, the other agents aren't stupid. They knew there were no controls, and a lot of them could have done what Irizarry did. He said, who represents a former DEA agent under scrutiny in the inquiry, he said further, the line that separates Irizarry from the others is he did it with both hands and he did it over and over and over. He didn't just test the waters. He took a full bath in it, unquote. Whereas the other ones aren't so extreme. Is that what he's suggesting? Maybe they're just a little, you know, more careful. That's what it sounds what like. They were doing. If you do something like that, like on a job at any point, shouldn't it be like enough to get fired? Not just like, oh, he did the most having sex with prostitutes on the job. So he's the worst one. The rest of them are fine. Irizarry, who speaks in a smooth patter that seamlessly switches between English and Spanish, was a federal air marshal and border patrol agent before joining DEA in 2009. He said he learned the tricks of the trade as a rookie from veteran cops who came up in New York City in the 1990s when cocaine flooded American streets. It's just a few bad apples. But another key part of his education came from Diego Marin, a longtime U.S. informant known to investigators as Colombia's contraband king for allegedly laundering dope money through imported appliances and other goods his spoils included a thirty thousand dollar tiffany diamond ring for his wife luxury sports cars and a seven hundred and sixty seven thousand dollar home in the colombian resort city of cartagena wait how much was the ring thirty thousand well he, he said, had a um, seven hundred and sixty thousand dollar home in a colombian city that's right and <laughs> for how long before could, they figured it out? Yeah, right? I can see why this guy got busted and why some of the other ones aren't. This, this, this is like that guy who we heard about in Thailand or whatever who was driving around with like Bitcoin as his license plate while he was hoarding all of the stolen Bitcoin or whatever it was he was doing. I don't remember the specifics now, but this is, dude, if you're that brazen. He's flaunting it. Yeah. $700,000 home, man, in Colombia. <laughs> He'd travel first class to Europe with Louis Vuitton luggage and wearing a gold Hublet watch. How, his his coworkers had to have known. Yeah, if if my they employee, were in on it. If my I, right yeah. exactly. Yeah. If my coworkers came in with Louis Vuitton bags and thirty thousand dollar Rolexes and stuff. Oh, hey man, uh, is there something I need to know? Yeah, where can <laughs> I get some of that? Right, and then they cut you in on the deal, and you become just as corrupt as them. That there's no way he's flying first class with Louis Vuitton bags that his coworkers didn't know. Irizarry says, "I was very good at what I did, but I became somebody I wasn't." How can that be true? You're, it's you, dude. Yeah, uh, and he he admitted when you. he was very young, he was shot or taught the tri- tricks of the trade and oh he just became someone he wasn't i became know. a different man i got caught up in the lifestyle i got caught up with the informants and partying unquote irizarry but that was you that, that wasn't yeah. a different man yeah. that was, was you, you the whole time and how do you do it for like how many years how old is this guy uh he's 48 i think is what it said earlier he contends that as many as 90% of his group's work trips were bogus, dictated by partying and sporting events, not real work. And he says the U.S. government money that helped pay for it was justified in reports as, quote, case-related, but that's a very vague term. TJ, the spy, is on our SIP line. And by the way, if you ever want to call in on the SIP line, we don't talk about it a lot, but it is there. You can go to sip.freetalklive.com. It's sip.freetalklive.com to get instructions yes. on how to get it set and up. What's up, TJ? Not a whole heck of a lot, and the voice quality is a lot better it than you call in over a, a telephone line. Yeah, so that's the yeah. second advantage. You can hear my squeaky voice <laughs> i try to think if i'm going to do radio i should lower my voice and no talk just lower. be yourself just be yourself um what's on your mind tonight? i was calling I, well i was calling about jury consultants have like you or mr sisty thought about hiring a jury consultant what Maybe is that like, what is a jury consultant somebody who goes and says they look at the jurors and say oh like you want young jurors because they're more likely to understand or be involved or own bitcoin uh, mm-hmm. You don't want people who, like I assume, you know, Mr. Sissy and Voidir will eliminate people who have lost a lot of money due to crypto scams or whatever. Like, yeah, you're referring to the Crypto think? 6 uh, case that uh, was going to go to trial here maybe as soon as three weeks from now. Uh, could be that soon unless it gets delayed again. The jury selection day is expected to be December 6th. 
So that's what you're referring to. You're referring to the jury selection process where you, you know, you get the uh, the details on the jurors in advance and you kind of learn which ones you might want and which ones you don't want. And then, of course, you're also going up against the feds that they also know which jurors they do want and don't want. And, and they then- also send out the invitations, but... Yeah, I mean, the problem with the whole system is that, you know, you're supposed to get a, a jury of peers. Mm-hmm. That's but, BS. But you can't get a jury of peers when you don't take part in the state religion. It's like asking mm-hmm. a well, so Christian to be... religion, you know, since Ian is Jesus Christ, uh, his, his huh? production of Jesus Christ getting nailed to the cross here of crypto, mm-hmm. and he is going to have 12 disciples, 12 very <laughs> cranky disciples... Who are going to judge? That's just what Mark wants people to think. I think Arya oh, was trying to make one. a point, though, um, before you interrupted there. Oh, I, I apologize, Arya. Go ahead. Yeah. No, it's okay. I mean, it's just it's impossible to get a trial by a jury of your peers when you don't take part in the religion that all of the jury takes part in. Did you or someone you love work, live, or serve at Camp Lejeune between 1953 and 1988? If you or someone you know lived, served, or worked at Camp Lejeune between 1953 and 1988 and has cancer, Parkinson's disease, or another serious health issue, they are entitled to compensation. To see if they are eligible, they need to call Liberty Legal. Contaminants in the drinking water have led to these serious diseases and legislation is now available for veterans and family members who may qualify for financial help from the government. There may be a time deadline, so don't wait. Call 888-918-1037. Anyone that has lived, worked, or served at Camp Lejeune from 1953 to 1988 and has had cancer, Parkinson's disease, or another serious health issue, the money is already set aside. 888-918-1037. 888-918-1037. We need more money to defeat drugs, and we need to hire more bureaucrats, and then we will win the war on drugs. No, they haven't come right out and said that, but that's basically what they believe. Yeah, they're just one yacht-filled prostitute party away from ending the drug war successfully. (laughs) I mean, if it saves just one prostitute. How how could... Hire the hiring process fix this in any way, like considering that they're going to be going into the same exact conditions. Mm-hmm. It, I feel like it won't pretty much most anyone who would take a already immoral job like being a police officer would end up getting even more corrupted if they went into that position. Yeah, I mean, that's what this guy is saying. He's saying not only do the, the cops there or the DEA agents know that they cannot win the war on drugs, they don't care because they know they can't win, so they're like. <laughs> Bring on the prostitutes. We're going to the sporting events. We're using money from the uh, DEA. In this one case, August 2014, they went to Madrid for the Spanish Super Cup and charged the whole thing as an expense to this Operation Whitewash, which, as we learned earlier, was this major money laundering operation that they laundered like $100 million for drug cartels. I mean, even assuming they thought they could end the drug war, who out there is passionate enough about this subject to, like, make it your entire career? That, that's, that's what I don't understand. Like, who, who, ate, who drank the Kool-Aid to such an extent in the drug abuse resistance education programs in high school? They're like, you know what? When I grow up, I'm going to dedicate my life to combating marijuana and cocaine. That's got to be like 1% of their agents. There's probably right. like 1% of these dorky agents that really signed up believing they could do something about drugs. And the rest of them saw it as a way to, you know, get free prostitutes or whatever paid for by the taxpayers and then retire. Because remember, that's what all these guys are really after. They're after the the 90% retirement or whatever, where they get all their health care paid for. They get basically their full paycheck for the rest of their lives and don't have to lift a finger. That's what they want out of this. That's a pretty know? sweet deal. Uh, Without Iriz- even getting into the prostitutes and the cocaine. Former agent Irizarry on the way to prison did this uh, interview with the AP. He told investigators there was little actual work to be done other than courtesy calls to a few friendly Spanish cops. Again, this is on the trip where they went to the uh, the cup, the super cup. He said, instead, agents spent their time dining at pricey restaurants, racking up a 1,000 euro bill at one restaurant and enjoying field side seats for the championship match between Real and Atletico Madrid. 
Joining the posse of agents at the game was Michael J. Garofalo, then Miami federal prosecutor and erstwhile contestant on The Bachelorette, who posted a thumbs-up photo on Instagram standing next to Irizarry and another agent. Wow. All clad in white Real Madrid jerseys. Quote, soaking up the last bit of Spanish culture before saying adios, unquote, is what his tagline was on uh, Instagram. Just so brazen. It's ridiculous. And he was on The Bachelorette. Apparently. There has to be a connection between someone who's so desperate that they would go on The Bachelorette (laughs) and someone who would post these pictures to their Insta. As you said, it's so brazen to their public Instagram. Hey, guys, look at me. I'm just your average city prosecutor. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was a prosecutor. Sorry. And I'm over here on front row seats in Madrid wearing this fancy suit. When Irizaria was awarded with a transfer to Cartagena, remember that's where he bought his $760,000 house in Colombia. He was transferred there? Apparently in So the U.S. Drug Enforcement Agents operates in Yeah, they have Colombia. They have uh, they mentioned earlier there's agents in like 69 countries. And presumably with the cooperation and the approval of those countries. Presumably, yeah. Crazy. Uh so he was awarded with a transfer to Cartagena in 2015. The party followed. The agent's rooftop pool with sweeping ocean views became an obligatory stop for visiting agents and prosecutors from the US. One that Irizarry recalls seeing there was Marisa Darden, a prosecutor from Cleveland, who he says traveled to Colombia in September of 2017 and was at a gathering where he witnessed two DEA agents taking ecstasy. Did he have no idea how he got there either? Irizarry <laughs> says he didn't see Darden taking drugs. Federal authorities have seen have taken a keen interest in that party, quizzing Irizarry about as rec- about it as recently as this summer. At least one DEA agent who has attended that party was placed on administrative leave. Remember that means you don't uh you aren't having to work but you get paid. That's what administrative leave is. There's something so gross and ratchet and disgusting every time I think about like uh, cops doing drugs. It's like, I can't imagine being in it, like, doing ecstasy and hanging out with other cops. It sounds like a terrible time, not, like, good at all. Seriously, though, I think more cops should do uh, MDMA. I agree that, that we would have fewer cops I if they did. I don't know about MDMA. That's just, like, you know, put them on Adderall making them, like, you know, oh, everything is so great. I'm so happy I'm a horrible cop and, you know, want to uh, have... MDMA yeah. increases one's ability to feel empathy, empathy for yeah. others, though. Yeah. But so. I don't know if that really is a lasting effect. Like, I don't know. I, I, all I'm saying is I think it'd be better it off if they hurt. were doing, like, mushrooms or something. MDMA, I think MDMA can like have a, a lasting effect in the same way that mushrooms can, but hmm. yeah, just doing MDMA isn't necessarily going to make someone a better person, certainly. That's or true. even, like, mushrooms. That's true. Like, people do stuff like that at parties. not really, like... The best way to I just want to empathy. I, I marvel at the fact that the, his house with his with his pool in his roof with the ocean view, this seven hundred thousand dollar house in Colombia, it was a routine stop yes. for other DEA <laughs> right, agents. I thought for a moment when they talked about the house earlier, I thought, okay. He bought the house quietly right. and like, kept it in Colombia. That's why he bought it in Colombia. You know, he didn't want to show it to everybody in D.C. or whatever. So he was just living there. But no, it turns out everyone go, went there and partied. Yeah, but it's like I'm a DEA <laughs> agent living in Colombia in a $700,000 house with the pool where we're regularly having parties. And I guarantee you every single one of these DEA agents who visited him they either knew he was corrupt or mm-hmm. they ex- straight up took part in it. Sure. So it wasn't just the DEA agents who were partying uh, on the taxpayer dime and being paid for by drug dealers in some cases. Some informants were were paying for these parties as well. Uh, but uh, also the, the federal prosecutors themselves were. In fact, they give another example here. So a federal prosecutor named by Irizarry and questioned by federal agents was Monique Botero, who was recently promoted to head the narcotics division at the U.S. Attorney's Office in Miami. As Irizarry told investigators and the AP that Botero joined a group of agents, informants, Colombian police, and prostitutes. Gotta have the prostitutes there. Without the prostitutes, it's not a party. They do seem critical to the entire story here. Like, every time we turn around here, there are prostitutes and strip clubs. And I understand why these things are there, but do they? Do do the the, the people revealing the corruption and the the corrupt people themselves and the prosecutors and the Justice Department, all of these other people who are investigated, do they really understand what's going on here? Which is really just a simple story of 
we offered them power and money, and they took it, and it corrupted them. Well, I it's think it's also a classic story. A lot of what you'll learn about police is if they're not addicted to drugs or alcohol, some of them are addicted to sex. And, or violence. Yeah, well, I was going to say violence. Right. And so it's not uncommon for uh, some police to be sex addicts. So it wouldn't surprise me that they're constantly going after prostitutes in these other countries where they're probably more easily accessible, especially through their uh, cartel connections or whatever. Uh, for them, it's a perk of the job. I mean, wouldn't it be great if you could just sell drugs and hire prostitutes for a living? Like, let's get rid of the drug war. Let's legalize drugs. And if this guy wants to sell drugs and hang out with prostitutes, let's let him do that. It sounds like that's what he wants to do with his life. (laughs) I support him in that endeavor. I don't think he's hurting anyone as long as you remove that power apparatus that allows him to throw innocent people in jail or people who are just like him in prison for doing the very same things. As long as we remove that, I don't see any problem here. Well, that's like the one thing they haven't accused him of. They actually have not accused him of selling drugs. He's just benefiting from the cartel connections by like telling them, like you were saying. He's laundering oh, them. Well, he's helping them in various different yeah. ways. Like, oh, well, you know, we won't notice when you're doing these drug deals over at the port. Or if there's going to be a raid, I'll tip you off. That kind of thing. And getting paid you know, for that. And then partying with them, etc. Uh, Botero's lawyers, this again, the uh, federal prosecutor, uh, she said she was on the yacht in September 2015 for what she thought was a cruise organized by local police. How did I get here? (laughs) Oh, my God. Who brought these prostitutes? I wasn't told there was going to be alcohol on this cruise. Why would they why would they be so stupid to trick someone into going into one of their parties? Like, obviously, she was invited. Obviously, she knew it was going on. She she was told you get to come down here to Columbia and be on this boat. And this boat is awesome. It is appalling that Monique is being maligned and defamed by someone as disgraced as Irizari. Oh, so the fact that this guy is now convicted, they're trying to use against him and say, oh, he's going to prison, so therefore you can't trust a word this guy says. He's already admitted to having been a liar and a crook and a criminal. Why would you trust anything he says about all of these other law enforcement agents being corrupt criminals as well? Well, why did you go hang out on a boat with a lying, corrupt Mm -hmm. crook? criminal who had a house with a pool in the roof I in Colombia he <laughs> was going to be there Izari's uh, Irizari's downfall was as sudden as it was inevitable the outgrowth of a lavish lifestyle that raised too many eyebrows even among colleagues willing to bend the rules themselves eventually he was betrayed by one of his closest confidants an Venezuelan American informant who confessed to diverting funds from the undercover stings Quote, Jose's problem is he took things to the point of stupidity and trashed the party for everyone else, said one defense attorney who traveled with Azari and his other agents. But there's no (laughs) doubt he didn't act alone, unquote. Since his arrest, he's written a self-published book titled Getting Back on Track, part of his attempt to own up to his mistakes and pursue a simpler path after bringing so much shame upon himself and his family. I'm getting back on track after, you know, all the prostitutes i had sex with while married and recently his colombian born wife who was spared jail time on a money laundering charge in exchange for his confession told him she was seeking a divorce Hmm. so he went to prison after saving her and she still divorced or it could have just been like a deal like hey if you marry me i'll get you off on these charges maybe she never actually loved him and then you know it's saying that she was going to be charged but in exchange for him confessing and taking the plea deal, they didn't charge her. Oh. So this he, isn't the first time they've done this. The U.S. government did this recently to a guy in Texas. Yep. They screwed him over. Oh, right. The, the Bitcoin selling guy. They said if he yeah. didn't take a plea deal, they'd charge his wife, too. But we don't know if she's divorcing him at this point. So presumably she'll wait for him. They've got kids together. But anyway, according to Irizari's despair, or adding to his despair, he's still the only one to pay such a heavy price for the misconduct that he says the DEA allowed to fester. On the topic of corruption, Glenn Greenwald posted this a few days ago on social media, and I thought it was pretty interesting. Now, Glenn Greenwald was the guy who broke Edward Snowden's Correct. Things, correct. Correct. Uh, Glenn Greenwald, who was with The Guardian, then he uh, helped co-found The Intercept, which is an in-depth 
news reporting organization online that he ended up leaving, I think it was last year, in frustration because, well, they turned it over to a board of directors, and anytime you want to ruin a good thing, just put it in the hands of a board of directors. And so he, he left the the organization that he helped found, and now he's just kind of doing his own thing online. And he uh, actually it was Edward Snowden who posted this, so Glenn Greenwald was sharing this. Edward Snowden says this the most important video of the year was filmed in 1983, and it is an interview with a CIA analyst who, well, former CIA analyst known as Frank Snepp, about the CIA's influence over mainstream media. And I'm just going to play some of this Brief here. The press, did you not, when you were there? Well, I had several jobs. One of my jobs was that of analyst. Uh, I also was an interrogator and indeed briefed the press when we, the CIA, wanted to um, circulate disinformation on a particular issue. Disinformation is not necessarily, uh, not necessarily a lie. It may be a half-truth. Remember, the government right now is using the term disinformation about things they don't like on the internet, posted on sites like Facebook and Twitter and such, and they expect you to believe that they know what the truth is, that they are the arbiters of truth. And this guy's talking about what they did back in the 1970s and the 80s with the CIA. This was, I think, 1980, yeah, 1983. 40 so, years ago. Yeah, almost 40, 40 years, years ago. ago. Right. So... Don't think for a moment that this has stopped what he's about to tell you. No, they've only gotten better at it. Exactly. And uh, we would pick out a journalist. I would go do the briefing and uh, hope that he would put the information in print. For instance, if we wanted to get uh, across to the American public that the North Vietnamese were building up their force structure in South Vietnam, I would go to a journalist and advise him, that in the past uh, six months, X number of North Vietnamese forces had come down the Ho Chi Minh Trail system through southern Laos. Now, there is no way a journalist can check that information. So either he goes with the information or he doesn't, and ordinarily or usually, the journalist would go with it because it, was, it looked like some kind of exclusive. And um, I would... Right, and we've seen this happening with mainstream media where they just parrot whatever it is that the government says they get a press release from the police and they literally basically just publish it word for word and that's what they do that's what they do today and they do propagandists they are and they want to keep good relations with the police and i'm just talking about the local level if you have no way of discerning whether or not it's true don't spread the rumor. Well, he gets into one potential way that they could try to check his claim, but he had that covered, too. We'll get to that. The correspondents we targeted were those who had terrific influence, the most uh, respected journalists in Saigon, like Robert Chaplin of the New Yorker magazine, Kai's Beach uh, of the Los Angeles Times from time to time, and also he worked for the Chicago Daily News. Uh, Bud Merrick of U.S. News and World Report, uh, Malcolm Brown of the Obviously, New York Obviously, these people Times. are retired at this point, but uh, even, they had reach, right? Like, they're going yeah. after the biggest of the big. When Maynard Parker of Newsweek magazine, uh, we would uh, go after these gentlemen. Uh, I would uh, be directed to cultivate them, to spend time with them at uh, the Caravelle Hotel or the Continental Hotel, to socialize with them and and slowly but surely to try to gain their confidence. But I mean, he's all but saying he hired prostitutes for them here. I mean, that he didn't say that, but like to cultivate them at the hotels. Like, what other things could they be doing with them at these hotels? Cocaine and prostitutes. Yeah. Dolloping out uh, valid information, information which was true, and then I would drop in a, into a conversation the data that we wanted to get across, which might not be true. Uh, one piece of data, for instance, uh, that we managed to plan in the New Yorker magazine had to do with uh, a supposed North Vietnamese effort in 1973 to develop airfields along the border of South Vietnam. The reason we wanted to plant this information was that we were trying to persuade the U.S. Congress that Saigon should uh, be continued to uh, should continue to get a great deal of aid, uh, and that uh, the North Vietnamese were the chief. Huh, why do you think they wanted that? That that was my first thought. Uh, 
Because it was to, to launder it. I mean, yeah, to, to line their own pockets. Yeah, they go to their buddies, and and ultimately they get probably a cut back from that on through the the black you know merchants or whatever the dark web of what, what was 1983 at that time. That's an important question, though. You know, why did the the, the CIA agent and his superiors, whoever they were, why did they want Saigon to get more money mm-hmm. or whatever what, whatever government they said? It benefited them somehow. Yeah. Right? Why? How? Yeah. What were the mechanisms in place? Because mm-hmm. that's rife with that's so obviously ripe with the potential for a corrupt abuse. Right. If you have this mechanism in place where they're getting some sort of benefit by ensuring that this other government gets money. So they're planting propaganda out there to help ensure that this other government gets money. The whole thing just reeks of corruption. Yeah. And doing it in a really roundabout fashion, not just going to the Congress people themselves and trying to persuade them, but using the media to make what they're saying sound more legitimate to those Congress people. Yeah. Well, look, it's in the headline of the New York Times. It must be true. But it's just it's just misinformation being fed by the CIA. And for all we know, this is what's going on in Ukraine right now. We just, yep. The CIA mm-hmm. spewing information to MSNBC and Fox News and absolutely. all of these other media organizations. And they're just saying, yes, there's absolutely a war there. And Russia's getting ready to drop nukes and other. And Russia's getting their butt kicked. Yeah, come to think That's of it, all of these allegations of Russia being on the verge of dropping nukes, it, it, it smacks of this sort of nonsense of just the CIA saying, yes, Russia's definitely considering dropping nukes. Yeah, and I definitely trust uh, journalists even less nowadays. Mm-hmm. People just trust the government more in general. You think they trust less... the government more now than they did I think they 40 trust years ago? The government more and they have less morality. A little bit more here. A British ambassador or other of our friendly diplomatic contacts. I am, as an ex-CI agent, opposed to the disinformation activities uh, in which I was involved. I admit that I was involved, and I think it uh, uh, served no useful purpose. Uh, Propagandizing the American uh, public or Congress is not the CIA's job. And that's the end of the clip. I mean, that may not have been what their job was meant to be. But yeah. that's what their job became. Yeah. And yeah, it that's still what is. you're doing and paid for. And it still is. And they're not the only ones, of course, as we know, the U.S. military reviews scripts from television and movies to make sure that it's all pro-government material or else they won't let, you know, somebody use a tank or, you know, yeah. an airplane or, or whatever. So th- the media is completely owned from top to bottom by the state. We had Bill call in uh, from Manchester I think it was Friday, maybe, and talk about what it was like down there in St. Kitts and Nevis, which is one of the probably the world's most popular, uh, most per capita and raw numbers, highest number of businesses accepting cryptocurrency, specifically in this case, Bitcoin Cash, all over the place. And I'm looking forward to hearing from him after his trip because he was he's down there for a few days. He was doing the uh, the video work at the convention for the Bitcoin Cash uh, convention down there, which from the video I was watching, it looks like it was well attended. That video is awesome. It's on the way. It's uh, online, by the way. So anybody that wanted to see what was going on down there, you can go to the channel on uh, YouTube. Roger Veer, V-E-R, Roger Veer. Uh, that is where the full video is. I think they're going to cut it up into you know each panel or whatever. But for right now, it's like you know a nine hour or eight hour long video where you can just kind of. It's well segmented though because they like identify within the video okay. what things are happening when, so you can easily kind of find what you were looking for. But one of the interesting things, and of course it was sponsored by Bitcoin.com, but one of the interesting uh, discussions was with the Prime Minister of St. Kitts and one of the. Um, members of parliament in St. Martin, which is an island that is very nearby and also very high with businesses that are accepting cryptocurrency like Bitcoin Cash, uh, was they were talking about making this a legal tender. And you heard some of it uh, before we started the show. I did. It sounded very promising. Yeah. These are politicians, obviously. Right. So maybe they're telling the truth. But they're they're politicians who are much closer to the people because these are very small places. Right. Like. Uh, we, we've discussed El Salvador and how they started having Bitcoin as legal tender in El Salvador. Like mandated. But yeah, that was a problem with that was they said it it was a mandate, even though they're not enforcing the mandate, right? Because they don't want to, 
they don't want to arrest a 70 year old guy who's just got like a taco cart or something like that and he doesn't even have technology right like he's just selling for uh for pesos or or dollars on the street so they're not gonna probably enforce it but it still was written that way and it is basically forcing a lot of the corporations like mcdonald's to to comply you just listened to the new extended free talk live daily digest We felt this format was more appropriate for our podcast audience and decided to make it our official podcast. If you subscribe to the Daily Digest or full episode RSS feeds, please resubscribe to the main FTL podcast feed, which you can find at feeds.freetalklive.com. The other feeds rely on a third-party service, and though they'll have the same content, we can't be sure how long they'll stay online. If you still want the entire radio show, you can listen live every night from 7 to 10 Eastern at freetalklive.com. Full video archives are at video.freetalklive.com or tune into our 24-7 stream for the latest show at listen.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live's amps will continue to receive the full two-hour radio show with no recorded commercials via podcast through Patreon. So please join amps.freetalklive.com for just $5 a month. Thank you for listening to and sharing Free Talk Live.